Welcome to Engineering Leadership Insights, the podcast where we share insights, practical advice, steps, perspective, and knowledge to help engineering leaders become game changers. I'm your host, Jimmy Banjo. Today, we're going to explore how to turn around underperforming teams, how to get the results you want to get from your team. So let's suppose you're running a team and you've got bunch of engineers, maybe a couple scientists, and some miscellaneous product services or business services, people working for you, and you're not hitting your targets. You're not producing what you should be producing volume-wise, or what you're delivering is late. Your product timelines are slipping. Your budget is growing. You're getting too many defects in what it is you're, you're trying to develop. And you have great people. And let's even say you've got a good relationship with your people yet you're not getting what you need to get. Well, that's something I run across a lot. And I'm answering this as I'm doing this podcast to answer a question that actually somebody asked. Excuse me. So how do I do it? How do I come into teams and help them turn it around? Well, there are a few steps I follow. I'm going to share them with you in this podcast. And hopefully, if you can apply some of them, you will start seeing some results. And I think we should just go ahead and get started. So the first thing I would encourage you to do if you're trying to turn around an underperforming team is to take some time to clearly define what success is, what exactly it is you're trying to achieve. This does really sound obvious, but most of the time when I walk into teams and help them um, turn around the performance, when I ask them what exactly their target is, what should they be producing? What is the actual deadline for this project? What are the interim deadlines? What's for budget? What are you supposed to be hitting? Overwhelmingly, my response from them is a blank stare at me. And then that's a good question, Jimmy. So I come and I ask Neil, Neil, your project is what, how many weeks late? About uh, give or take, uh, you know, 10 weeks late. late. Okay, give or take is brilliant. What exactly should it have been promised? Well, that's a good question, Jimmy, because we had our initial delivery date, but then there were some changes from suppliers that we had to move that forward. And then the asset team decided they had a priority and they wanted another team to come out and do the FPSO to do the work. So that's pushed our delivery back another two or three months. So really, our promise date is the 1st of October, but with these break-ins that the asset's aware of, um, it really probably now is 10 weeks later than that. Okay, so it probably is. What is the new agreed delivery date with your customer, considering all these changes? And Neil would answer something like, yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Jimmy. And I'm going to stop my illustration there. You kind of get my point. Whatever it is, whether it's a cost issue or production number or quality number, one of the biggest challenges I find is that teams actually don't know what the finish line is. And things have happened, life has happened, business has happened that has made you have to probably move or change or adjust the finish line. You need to really tie that down as to what the finish line actually is now. So you're underperforming largely because your customer, in this case, Neil's case, the asset, had a very different expectation about what 
the finish line was supposed to be. And when I spoke to the asset manager, in this case, let's call him Jonathan. Jonathan had a very clear feeling in his, in his gut that Neil's team was way, way behind. But the same question posed to Jonathan, when are they supposed to have delivered? And all Jonathan could tell me was they should have delivered by now. That's great, but how late are they in your opinion? Very late. I mean, really late, Jimmy. We understand that they had these delays because of things you asked for. I don't see how my delays could have caused that. Again, I don't want to go too much into this hypothetical situation. But what I'm trying to illustrate here was the fact that neither the asset manager, Jonathan, or let's say the engineering project manager, Neil, had a clear picture of what exactly they were supposed to be delivering. And I run, in my 20 years of consulting and, and, my, and management, I run into this all the time. And this is a real fundamental issue that no one knows where the finishing line is. So your team is underperforming, but before you can even turn it around, let's agree what performance actually is. And there's some work to be done for a lot of teams to, to really get an agreement with you as the supplier, your internal or external customers to agree what exactly is our finishing line. And then if there are going to be changes or break-ins or emergencies that cause us to make adjustments, we have to really formally re-agree and redefine what that is. It, it may be a bit of a moving target. In some industries, that's more the case than others. But if it's an ongoing conversation, make sure you're having that ongoing conversation consistently and currently, um, sorry, um, frequently and consistently realigning with your customers, but also with your staff and your team. So if the senior managers, the bosses, the big boys don't know what we're supposed to be achieving, then the people who actually work in your team, how are they going to be really clear where they're supposed to be marching toward since you guys are the ones who give them their direction? So that's the first tip. Define very clearly where you're going. So how you can do that? Well, step number one, you know, have a conversation with your, with your internal suppliers and customers and agree. We are supposed to be producing this much by that day or we're supposed to be producing this much every day. We're supposed to have this level of backlog at a certain time. We're supposed to get through this amount of work every day. Our efficiency number should be this. And many of you guys have KPI dashboards. This big reason what they're supposed to do for you is to help give you this clarity. Agree on your key measures, what these one, two, three are. Agree them with your stakeholders. So it's not enough for you as the internal manager to know yourself, it's kind of like knowing in your gut or deep in your heart that this is the right answer. It's going to be wrong if only you know it's right. So if only you think it's right, then that answer is wrong. So what you need to do is to agree with your stakeholders, so your customers internally and externally, your internal suppliers, and also with your team. This is what the finish line is. If they have to agree, yes, we agree with you, Neil. This is our finish line. Then you have defined that. Once you've got that agreed, rebroadcast it. You have to over-communicate this. So share it out, email it. I prefer you not to email it. You know, in your next team meeting, share that. Put it up on the wall. Um, then email the backup. If they have any questions, they can refer back to that. But still, talk about it, re-emphasize it. Put up some posters if you need to. Let everybody who needs to know, know. And maybe even those who don't need to know, just so you're covering on a basis, they know this is our target. This is what we're supposed to actually be doing. That may take you a few weeks, depending on the size of your organization. 
to get that clarity. If you have a matrix organization, it will take you longer than a few weeks. It may take you a month or two. And the fact that it's taking, it's taking you so long to get that clarity kind of shows why your team should, will be having problems. Because if you as senior managers have a hard time defining what the finish line is, then your middle managers, your frontline managers, your project engineers, your discipline engineers, your production and operations supervisors, how are they going to really have a clue? So you're going to, need to do that work and really define that finish line. Have the iteration of meetings and then over communicate it throughout your organization. And really, I mean over communicate it for months. The second thing I would suggest you do is to baseline your current performance. So understand exactly how well you're performing. So yes, we now know what our finish line is, or we have a better idea where we're trying to develop it, we're, we're having these conversations, but where exactly are we? So take some time going through your, the work your team is doing to understand the gap. What are we producing every day? Yes, we may have a good idea. Yeah, okay, we, we're doing you know, 20,000 barrels a, a day on this, on this well. Are we sure that's the number? Have we been making some adjustments? What exact, what exact adjustments have we been making to get this number? Is that consistent? Is that consistent with what our client, our customers are measuring or our suppliers are? You may find the measure you have for, let's say, conversion is not the same measure that your boss is using. And that actually happened many times in companies where their throughput number or the the maintenance backlog number is measured differently in different departments. So the offshore maintenance team, the maintenance team on the, on the oil rig, measure it one way. We now go to the maintenance team onshore that work out of the offices. They measure this number a very different way. Then they have a maintenance like subject matter expert team that sits somewhere, let's say in Houston, and they measure the exact same measure differently. Now the Operations manager who manages the maintenance teams and the, and the oil production has a, also a different calculation, actual number. And this actually happened. This wasn't a maintenance KPI, but it was a specific KPI we found the client, the, the client. So understanding where they were at present became tricky because everybody had a different interpretation of where they were. So Go through the, the, the exercise of really understanding what is the correct measure, what should we be measuring, and then baseline where we currently are. So the first step we've done is where should we be? What does success look like? Get a clear picture of that, a single picture. But now we're looking at from a performance standpoint where we currently are. And um, you'll probably find that where you think you are isn't exactly where you are. There's no glamorous or shortcut way to, to figure out how you are. It's going to be around counting the work. Sometimes that will mean literally counting every piece of work. I did some work with an insurance company, and that's what we did. They had half their work computerized in a SAP system, or in ERP, actually, not SAP. And they had another, let's say, 10% of it was in post. So they had letters and stored in a room that they went through at a certain time. They had another chunk that came as emails another were a bunch of phone notes that were captured and a variety of different i mean areas some came as direct emails some came as forms off their internet off the of the, their website but their work was everywhere and the only way we could 
understand exactly where they were, you guessed it, they had to count every piece of work, every email, every letter, read it, scan the letter, read the letter, and categorize it. Was it a claim? Was it a request for a new quotation? Was it a complaint? And their workload went up from roughly 100 hours backlog to about 1,300 hours backlog. And I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally trying to be a bit conservative, but they had a massive backlog of work, a lot more than they realized. That actually showed they were in a worse condition than they thought they were. Now, it's never pleasant to uncover all this, but the truth was, now they knew the condition. They knew how bad it was. And when we did that exercise with all the teams, the funny thing was, the client felt happy. And when I mean the client, I meant the actual people who did the work, the team members, felt relieved because now they knew, everyone knew how much work they had. Before they'd been counting it in batches or not counting certain things. And so they knew that there was all this post sitting in this room that had to be done. And the post took up, took up a full room. And they knew they had all these emails that, that weren't being counted as actual work, but they were under a lot of pressure because this also had to be done. But now they knew that their bosses and their bosses' bosses knew this is how much work was out there. It was a big sigh of relief because now, now finally, they could, they could begin to tackle the magnitude of the issue. The third thing I would suggest you do if you're trying to turn around an underperforming team is now to, to, uh, to understand what your team's main problem is. Problems are, first, again, we now know where we're trying to get to. We have a clear picture of our reality. We have, we understand the current performance, we have a baseline for that. And now we can now begin to ask the team, what exactly are the main problems here? Why is it that we are not delivering? Why is it that we are falling behind? What is really holding you back? And get their, their perspective, their opinions. Your team have a very good idea of what the problems are. It could be down to poor communication on your part, poor communication on the part of their suppliers, poor communication on the part of their own junior managers or their, the engineers that work for them. But have that conversation. This may be something that will have to be done in a workshop or a series of workshops or focus groups um, where you just bring up like four or five of them together if you have a team of four or five and just have them work it out in a couple hours and get them to brainstorm and really dump what the issues are. You may have several focus groups where you bring them together a few times to work through what are all the problems and what are the, the, main, the main problems, the worst problems. You may do some one-to-ones, talk to them individually and get them to share to you um, personally. They may be more keen to talk to you as an individual. I think doing a combination is better because you get some one-to-one where they, where they raise some things. But the great thing of having them come together as well is they'll, there will be things they haven't thought about. But when they hear a comment made by somebody else, that will remind them and remind you of another issue. So have the mixture. One-to-ones are more personal, sensitive um, conversations, especially when you've got people who aren't very shy, then have the group session. And because then you also have an idea of topics to bring into the group session. You may decide for your group session to have somebody else come and help you lead that. Depending on how sensitive the issues are, you might want to. Um, depending on how comfortable you feel doing that conversation, you may you may want to have someone else, someone else lead it. You do not need to bring a consultant in to do that. You don't have to pay you know, a lot of money 
to have someone, you can easily bring in someone from an, another manager, a friend of yours who's managing a different team to come in and be objective and help them run it. Um, human resources, they, they seem to like facilitating stuff. Health and safety and risk management teams, I find are really great at facilitating. Yes, it's not a risk or health or safety issue, but they really had a lot of training on facilitating. So you might want to maybe use them as a free facilitator who understands your business that can ask these questions. You also have, you also might have some continuous improvement, you know, Six Sigma lean people floating around. They're also great. This is not necessarily a lean on Six Sigma methodology. You can do it as part of that. That's absolutely wonderful. But just coming in to understand what your team's main problems are. So once you have a, that picture of, you know, it could be 10, it could be 100, it could be 300 main issues, you want to group them into similar themes. Are there certain issues with the procurement process or certain issues with um, the integrated activity planning process or issues with your getting beds offshore or are you having issues with maintenance or issues with holidays and vacation or lack of clarity around roles and responsibilities? So you just kind of put them together where you get really similar themes. And once you've done that, have them talk to your team about where they think the biggest issues are. You may find that actually most of the comments are around roles and responsibilities. Well, okay, then we need to do some work to make that clearer. You may find the biggest issues may be around, you know, lack of time with you. That your team are saying, you know, Neil, we want to see you, you know, at least an hour a day. Or, okay, that may be hard if everyone on your team wants that. But if they're saying they want to see you know, an hour a week each or you know, an hour every other week, or they need you to respond more quickly to issues, you can see there's a theme there around your availability and your time. You may not have an answer for that right now, but then you at least know this is where the problem areas are for your team. And ask the question, you know, is this the root cause? Is there something else driving this? Now, before we jump to root causes, I'm going to backtrack a bit. Pick your top areas of focus. So are you going to go after your top top 10, top 2, top 1, you know, pick the, the top top X, one to, I'll say pick between kind of one to five issues and, and work on how do we improve that rather than trying to improve the, you know, the, the 20 different themes you've got from after you've clustered 200. So remember, we've clustered our 200 issues. We have now about 20 themes. Pick the theme, the one or two or three themes that you think will give you the most bang for your buck and are causing your team the most pain. And then from there, you wanna understand what the root cause is. So the root cause could be for you that your lack of time comes down to poor time management on your part, or that you're going to very low priority meetings, or that your manager doesn't really organize his time either and it's causing you a little dysfunction. Some issues are gonna be easier to fix than others, but begin to dig, dig deep into what the root cause could be for those and then address those. So those are the three tips I have on turning around an underperforming team, part one. I'll share a bit more in the next podcast, but please, if you have any questions about these tips, about how you can turn around your team, if you have any specific questions about issues you're facing in your engineering team or technical team, please feel free to send me an email. You can contact me at hello at folajimmy.com and um, I'm definitely, I do answer my emails. I'm happy to, to, to jump on the phone with you for 20 minutes 
and give you a few pointers on what you're doing and how that, that could work for you, definitely happy to do that. If you would like a more structured approach and you would like me to really dig in to a specific problem you're having, I am have, I do have some slots available for consultations. I do a one hour consultation where we can work through in a bit more detailed fashion problems you're facing. So guys, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and I'll see you guys later. Take care.